Hello, this is Geeks Unleashed. This is the first episode of our fantastic four months during the month of May. So for all five weeks, you're going to be getting fantastic four content. All the fantastic uh, four content you didn't know you needed. Uh, I'm Mark. <laughs> I'm Jasmine. Uh, and as of episode 100, we will each week be talking about our sort of current viewing, reading, or geeky habits while mixing in reviews of either comic book or gaming related uh, adapted content. Although during May, it's just Fantastic Four only. Yeah, we're we're getting all of all of them out of the way for you. So before we get started, if you're watching on YouTube, thank you so much. We appreciate that. We would also love it if you would like this video and subscribe to our channel. If you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, we appreciate that as well. We would also very much love it if you would leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. Uh, please also remember that we do have Ko-Fi. Um, feeling fairly empty and unloved right now, so... <laughs> Please feel free to donate uh, whatever you may feel like giving. Oh man, yes, we would we would like that too. Buy us a comic, buy us a coffee. Coffee is rather expensive, even when you make it at home. Um, all right, I'm actually kind of excited about this month. Like a whole month of Fantastic Four. There are actually two things, one of which we're covering today that I had never seen before. Um, so I'm just kind of excited to dig in. So we're starting all the way from '94. We're doing that unreleased. Fantastic Four film, plus the documentary that goes with it. Uh, then we're also going to cover off Chris Evans's first foot in the Marvel universe. Thank God he got a redo because let's all let's all acknowledge how much improvement we got from Johnny Storm to Captain America. Um, and then we go on to the unfortunately really really like poorly received Miles Teller <laughs> version of Fantastic Four. Uh, we're going to talk about them all. So I'm super stoked. Super stoked. We will indeed. So, uh, just a bit of history before we go into the actual movie itself. So Mr. Fantastic, AKA Reed Richards. Um, it, I love that Mr. Fantastic is a great name. So, uh, a scientific <laughs> genius who can stretch, twist and reshape his body to inhuman proportions. Stanley said the stretch powers were inspired by DC's plastic man, which had no equivalent in the Marvel universe. So check that out. DC put the put the plastic man up first, and Marvel was like, "Oh, that's kind of cool. Let me uh, <laughs> let me uh, see what we can do with that." <laughs> Strangely enough, re- uh, in the last few years, DC did make their own kind of version of the Fantastic Four called the Terrifics, which had Mister Terrific in it, and okay. I'm pretty sure it's Plastic Man as well. So, but yeah, there was four of them. It was very Fantastic Four. So, anyway, uh, Invisible Girl in- slash Invisible Woman uh, is. Hey, aka Susan Storm, uh, Reed Richards' girlfriend uh, and eventually wife, has the ability to bend and manipulate light to render herself and others invisible. She later develops the ability to generate invisible force fields, which she uses for a variety of defensive and offensive effects. So uh, that's, to be honest, the part I like the most about her is her ability to create force fields. Mm-hmm. I think turning invisible is cool, but it's not very useful in the battlefield. Nope. It's uh, more of an espionage thing yeah. and uh, more of a reactive ability as we see in the movie where there's a scene where she kind of goes invisible and falls on the floor so people shoot each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, <clears throat> right, the thing, uh, Ben Grimm or Benjamin Grimm, Reed Richards' colleague, college roommate and best friend has been transformed into a monstrous orange rock-like humanoid possessing high levels of superhuman strength and durability. He serves as uncle figure, a long friend of the family, and a gruff Brooklyn manner, short temper, and a causistic sense of humour. So, 
um yeah basically he's kind of the best friend yeah. really and uncle of and later on obviously reed and susan do eventually have children he's very much that uncle figure mm-hmm. and um you kind of <clears throat> almost like a surrogate brother to johnny storm so yeah all right so the fantastic four 1994 is based off of characters from wait Marvel you Comics. skipped johnny oh did i apologies <laughs> oh, oh sorry apologies apologies i don't know how i did that anyway uh, so human store uh human torch johnny storm is Sue Storm's younger brother, uh, possesses the ability to control fire, allowing him to project fire from his body as well as the power to fly. This character was loosely based on the Human Torch character um, published by Marvel Comics' uh, predecessor, Timely Comics, in 1940s, um, an android that could ignite itself. So, Timely Comics, didn't we get a uh, Kang variant who calls himself Victor Timely in Ant-Man and Quantumania? Yeah, I think I so. Wonder, I wonder if Marvel took their own name and put it in their put it in their own purpose. Maybe, maybe. Um, Victor Timely. So, so apologies for jumping slightly ahead. Right, anyway, the Fantastic Four, 1994. It's based off comics, uh, based off characters from Marvel Comics. Yes, the first appearance of the Fantastic Four was in the Fantastic Four. Number one, from November 1961, the Fantastic Four were created by the OGs, Stanley and Jack Kirby. The first appearance of Victor Von Doom came five issues later in the Fantastic Four number five, which was July of 62, also created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. So this was written by Craig Jane Nevelis and Kevin Rock, directed by Ole, Ole Sasson. Yeah, Ole Sasson. So uh, anyway. Stars, yeah. people. Um, unfortunately, I'm not very familiar with any of these people. Um, Alex Hyde-White, Jay Underwood, Rebecca Staub. Michael Bailey Smith, Carl Chiaffalo, uh, Ian Trigger, Joseph Culp, Kat Green, and George Gaines. I think it's uh, I think it's Jay um, Underwood. He's a human torch, isn't he? Uh, I think so. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So Jay Underwood played the boy who could fly in a movie when I was a kid. So I recognised him. So anyway, this uh, do you know what? I actually did recognise um, Mr. Harmony. Fantastic as well. Uh, oh. Um, I also recognize the professor in the classroom at the very beginning. Oh yeah, he's been in a ton of ton of like stuff. Uh, I didn't remember his name, but I thought you see. Yeah, you see him in a lot of in a lot of movies of this time period. Also, the young version of Sue Storm was Harmony from Angel and Buffy. Oh, I recognized her. Yeah. Okay. Well, at least she went on to sort of something. Yeah. Uh, well, I love Angel and Buffy, so it's, yeah. far, it's far better than this, but anyway. Right, okay, so this uh, release date. This movie was never released. Mm-hmm. Was no release Answer date. that. <laughs> All right, running time, 90 minutes. Budget, $1 million. And you feel it. You definitely feel this $1 million budget, for sure. Box office, zero, because it never got released. Yeah. It never even got released on DVD. They didn't release it at all. They didn't even nope. try to recuperate those funds. In so. fact, I, I didn't write this as a fun fact, but in fact, Aviarid, again, who was at the time, he was the head of Marvel Studios, uh, also a big producer for Spider-Man. Uh, at the time, he saw this movie and thought it was so bad that he gave the director back the money that he put into the film. And he said... I'm sorry. Thank you for your work. We are not releasing this. Here is your money back. So, in fact, Marvel paid 
for this movie to not be released, <laughs> which is wild to me. Like, can you imagine like the head of the studio coming to you after you have completely finished the film and the head of the studio comes to you and they're like, oh yeah, hey, so how much did you spend on this? Oh, you had a million dollar budget. Okay, here's a million bucks. Thanks so much. Nobody is ever going to see this movie. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Uh, right. I was like, I... that is crazy. Oh, man. Oh. Oh, I knew, I knew, I do remember that they didn't want it released. So. Yeah. So, I mean, technically they did the same thing with Man Thing, but Man Thing at least got an international release. It just was not released here in the States. Whereas <laughs> this Fantastic Four film was not released at all. Um, another fun fact when Stanley was writing, the Fantastic Four. He was just about ready to step away from comics, and the Fantastic Four in 1961 became a surprise hit for Marvel, and Stan was like, okay, well, maybe I'll keep doing this comic thing for a little while longer. So, for those of you who love Stan the Man, you better thank the Fantastic Four's popularity for keeping him in comics a little bit longer, because uh, otherwise he was ready to throw in the towel. So, the villain in this film is Victor Von Doom, which... Other than the Silver Surfer, like that's Victor has been the villain in all of the Fantastic Four films that we've gotten. Um, but his character was incredibly rushed. He was introduced in the fifth issue, but he became mega popular as well. Uh, so popular that they kept writing him into the issues, but they never had the time to give him a backstory. So Victor Von Doom's origin story didn't come until two years after his debut in the comics themselves. So, like, he's a bad guy, but, like, nobody really understands his story. And I guess, like, to me, that kind of plays out in all of the films. I think Doom is one of the most, like, underdeveloped characters in every version of the Fantastic Four that I've ever seen, including this one. (laughs) (laughs) So, summary, uh, obviously taken from IMDb, when dosed, this is a real one-liner here, when dosed with comic cosmic rays four intrepid explorers are given incredible powers so yeah vague. there's a little bit more to this movie than that <laughs> uh so i'll just expand slightly <clears throat> i think we kind of know the principles of the story if you'll have any familiarity with the fantastic four um the four of them go into space they do get dozed by cosmic rays we do get to meet victor von doom in the beginning as a friendship with reed richards and later on he returns as dr doom um and is very keen on obtaining the powers of the Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also get introduced to the Mole Man and ends with, yeah, it's kind of all tied up very nicely. Uh, I won't, won't we'll dive into it more as we go on, but yeah, it's a little bit more than that one-liner. So Yeah. Um, also, as far as the current MCU goes, we can expect to see a brand new Fantastic Four iteration coming at the very beginning, it is set to kick off Phase 6. And that was uh thank you to Disney for acquiring the rights from Sony way back in 2017. But yeah, Fantastic didn't, Four didn't is coming just, to the MCU, Phase 6. Didn't they just get the rights back? Like, Didn't they just automatically go back or something like that? Like... Um, I don't know if they automatically went back, but when Disney bought Sony, like they kind of just absorbed. Sony. You mean Fox? Yeah, sorry. Uh, they absorbed all of those uh, properties. So, oh, they'd love to buy Sony, then they'd get the Spider-Man rights back. Yeah, wouldn't that be great? Yeah, yeah, no, no, I can't remember. Yeah, like you say, you said, yeah, when they bought Fox, they got the Fantastic Four and the X-Men. Mm-hmm. That was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, they so Phase got... Six. I mean, Phase Six is not coming until I think twenty twenty-five. I think maybe even twenty twenty-six. People are desperate to hear about what's going on with the FF and X-Men, aren't they? Yeah. So. 
Uh, okay, so just thought before we jump into it, I just want to see actually what your familiarity is with the characters themselves in the comic books. Have you read anything? Nope. I have never, ever, ever read a Fantastic Four comic. I Even before the films came out, like I had never been interested in them. I think like I probably looked at the thing and thought like, this is entirely too cheesy for me. So it was right, just yeah. it just wasn't like a comic series that was ever on my radar as a kid. So no, I never read the Fantastic Four. I will say though, like when the when the first film came, well, not this film, but when the first film came out in two thousand five, I really really liked the casting. I loved Yoan Grufford. Um and so I thought that he was a really good Mister Fantastic. Uh, but outside of that, no, n- n- I had never really heard of them much before that film. I've dipped in and out of the Fantastic Four over the years. So I remember the first time I came across Fantastic Four was, I want to say it was around 1994, uh, 95, something like that. When I've mentioned this before, I was a big fan of the Onslaught storyline, which Mm -hmm. uh, all the Marvel heroes got together in Central Park to fight against Onslaught himself. And I remember, which one of the things I love about comic book crossovers is the different interactions. So I remember Sue Storm and, you know, Bishop from the X-Men, Yes. Um, I kind of I remember I still can remember in my head them doing a bit of a team up mm-hmm. and because Bishop one of Bishop's powers is to absorb uh, other people's abilities and kind of rechannel that mm-hmm. Sue Storm was like kind of kind of zapping him uh, with her own abilities and then sending that she was uh, you know she, uh, he was in rechanneling in it and um, sending it out well, I remember that anyway um, after Onslaught they did um 13 issues of Fantastic Four Reborn or, mm-hmm. or so Reborn or something like that. I can't, I can't remember. But anyway, they were kind of, it was kind of like a revitalization of the characters. Basically, Marvel farmed out Fantastic Four, Iron Man, and the Avengers and Captain America to Wildstorm Comics at the time, mm-hmm. ran by Jim Lee. So he ran it as a sort of separate, separate universe. Uh, eventually, and then they returned to the Marvel Universe proper. Um, I remember they had all of the, at the time, all of the books had the return written on it. And uh, I read some of it, um, but I kind of dipped out again. But when I did come back, and this is probably the only run I've kind of ever really stuck with, was the Mark Wade um, uh, run on the Fantastic Four. It's absolutely brilliant. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, obviously recommend that if you can. I've, di- I've dipped out here and there with the Fantastic Four, but I've, yeah. I, know, I know other people that absolutely love it, like our friend Robbie uh, at Pop's, uh, Pop Culture Philosophers. I believe he's trying to collect all of the Fantastic Four run. So, oh, wow. Um, good luck with those early books. So. <laughs> anyway, uh, overall thoughts on the movie. Uh, I'd love to hear what your overall thoughts are first, because this is your first time watching it. Yeah, so I watched this one, and initially i was like this isn't as bad as i thought it was going to be uh mm. but also like i couldn't help but think like this movie came out in 94 and it felt very subpar for 1994 like 94 was one of my favorite years of film uh forrest gump actually won best picture 1994 uh which is my favorite film of all time but like i mean that's you know live action film obviously mm. i just felt like watching this film felt like I was watching a movie from the early 1980s. Like this felt like a 1983 film, not a 1994 film. Um, And I just like, couldn't shake that feeling the whole time I was watching it. Um, It was not good. Like it's not a good movie, but it was not to me, like comparative to like some of the bad films we've watched recently. uh, 
I would say it's definitely not as bad as man thing. Um, but it's just like, it, I guess you can tell at the very end, like the sequence where Johnny storm is fighting against that laser beam or whatever, like yeah. the C- the CGI in that entire sequence is so awful. Like it is so bad. It's so, so bad where it's just kind of like, okay, now I can see why, like <laughs> why this movie has gotten <laughs> such poor reviews, but like, for the most part, it just feels like a really bad B movie. I mean, mm. there's very little thing plot wise. Like, there's different sets of villains, like the weird people that live underground. Like, I don't even understand the point of them being in the film. Doom is a very like underdeveloped uh bad guy. I, I don't know, like the the way that the thing moves, like. I don't know if it's puppeteering or animatronics or just like really bad, uh, like a really bad dude in a suit. Like, <laughs> but the, yeah. whenever the thing talks, like it's just like this is. I mean, I've seen better stuff from like webtoons. <laughs> I just, I don't know. Uh, so like, it just it feels outdated. Like, it just does not feel like a film from the '90s. It feels much older than that, and I think that that is obviously to its detriment. Plot-wise, like, there's really, for me, not much to talk about. Like, so overall summarizing thoughts on the film, it's just, it feels out of place. It just, it feels very, very behind the times for 94. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I. So I, this is the second time I've watched this movie. I watched it about 15 years ago for the first time. I actually managed to get, I don't have it anymore. I don't know where it's gone. Um, but I managed to find somebody, it was on eBay, actually, <clears> selling, <throat> selling bootleg, <laughs> uh, bootleg copies of several movies. Uh, and uh, ones that had never been released. I think, like, the original Punisher and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But anyway, um, uh, yeah, so this is one of the movies that I managed to get a hold of. Uh, really weirdly, not long after it arrived, the eBay's, eBay account of that person selling it got shut down. So dun, dun, uh, dun. Cl- clearly not allowed to sell them. But anyway, so then a group of friends, we all sat down together to watch it. We weren't even drinking. We were Because I remember a load of us all dry, drove to my friend's flat and... Um, we all got together. There was like 10 of us and we watched it and we laughed so hard watching yeah. this movie. movie. Uh, it's definitely a movie to watch with friends. I would yes. say that. Um, so uh, anyway, so I rewatched it this week. Um, I've actually rewatched it once and then I watched <clears> it again this, uh, for a second time, mostly all the way through, sort of 90% of the way through. Uh, I sort of, my initial comment to you before we started recording was it felt like an 80s or 90s yeah. Hallmark movie um it, it really it and the other thing is i thought was it's not really a bad bad movie it's not like with man thing man thing was actually absolutely yeah, garbage awful. that like, was, was that was horrible garbage. everything about it was bad yeah spawn was also garbage but the, but this Disagree. film i want to say <laughs> <laughs> this film i want to say is better than spawn and man thing so this film is not better than spawn i'm not i'm not i'm not giving you that one i actually really enjoyed spawn this film like i don't know it you'd say it's better than man thing though yes so. it's definitely i mean i don't think i've ever seen anything as bad would you man say thing. it's better than, i would say how the duck is better than this yeah, I think Marginally, Howard the Duck Marginally. is better. But but also Howard the Duck is an actual 1986 film versus yeah. like this is a 94 film that feels like an 86 film. Like I think I, I think Howard the Duck felt like it you know had much stronger support and it, and it clearly did cuz it got released and it had a bigger budget. Yeah. Um anyway, 
the animatronics in this are terrible. The CGI is terrible. Um, the character development in this is fairly terrible. Non-existent. The, the, the plot in this is fairly weak. Yeah. Um, however, it kind of ticks the boxes they wanted to tick. You know, origin story, mm-hmm. um, villain. They introduced two villains, but I actually think they... So, you know, like, do you remember with the old Batman films? Uh, they used to always introduce two villains and the kind of the villains would hog the movie, yeah. not the hero. I felt like actually there was a good balance though in this. There was a good balance between the heroes and the villains. I'm not going to take that away from it. I think they handled the introduction <clears throat> of the hero. They did seem to put the introduction of the heroes first. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I felt like they handled generally the introductions of these people fairly well. And I felt like the screen time the heroes got was good. Um <laughs> Uh, like you said, plot is fairly weak on the ground. Yeah. You know, it, it, we've got kind of Reed and, and Victor having an experiment. It goes wrong. They believe Also, Victor they are died. the oldest college students I've ever seen. Like, I know, I know. They're, they're sitting in class. Like, uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's like a master's level class or what. But I'm just yeah. like, you're 40. <laughs> like, you're 40 sitting in this classroom. I do not believe for a second you are freaking college age. I, well, yeah, I want to come to that age thing at some point and uh, in a minute. So, uh, yeah, so Victor and Reed clearly have an experiment going on. They believe Victor's died. Ten years go by. They go to do this experiment again and they want to go into space. For some reason, no idea why they want Johnny and Susan to come with them. <laughs> yeah, not, don't even really, get me started on that one. Like... I'm not really sure how that all came about. And um, uh, anyway, they go to space. They land really weirdly. Next to where Victor Von Doom is. Uh, yeah, conveniently, they, huh? Conveniently, they land near Doctor Doom, and yeah, there, there begins kind of a uh, the, the, the villain enters the the, the the sort of the movie. But anyway, right? Okay, so you can watch the movie yourself, and <laughs> yeah. But anyway, if so... anyone else has seen this unreleased film, please, please talk to us about it, please. Yeah, like this, I think this is probably one of my first times seeing something that was unreleased like this. Like it just, I don't know this, this is, and then you talk about the age thing. Like it's really gross. The whole Reed and Sue thing, the way that they did that, because like they introduced Sue for the first time as like an eleven-year-old, and then it's like the next time you meet her, I don't know, she's like twenty-one. I'm guessing, like very, very young compared to Reed. That whole dynamic was super creepy. Like I'm not, I don't mind them together. Like in the other films and stuff, they seem like they were comparable in age, but like this age gap was done very poorly in this. It was weird. Like it was just weird because like. Um, Reed, I suppose, is meant to be like 20, I suppose. That's what they're going with mm-hmm. at the start. Then 10 years later, I guess he's meant to be 30 and she's meant to be 20. Um, but the trouble is they pick someone who looks 40, 45 right. to play the role. It's not like they went with a 20-year-old in the fir- in the opening scene right. and then came back. Well, do, you, do you know what I'm thinking of is... um. Star Wars prequels with um, Anakin Skywalker, how he ages up with Natalie mm-hmm. Portman. Um, and Natalie Portman obviously is with the child, uh, Anakin. And then the yeah. next film, she meets the young, the slightly younger adult Anakin. But that didn't feel too weird. Like, I'm sure, obviously, she's probably like 10 years older than him. But I would say it was less noticeable. I still think that was weird. I know, no, it was weird, but it was less noticeable. Maybe because they had such gaps in movies. Uh, Or maybe because like the roles were flipped and the woman was older. I don't know. To me, it's super creepy that this guy like 
has known this girl since she was a kid, a like yeah. a literal child, and then they end up getting married by the end. I'd of feel the film. I'd, I'd feel weird about that if I like had met someone at age twelve, like if I was twenty and I met right. them at age twelve, and then meet them again at age thirty, and they're like twenty, and I'm like, yeah, Gee. let's date. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> mm, and that's all. And let's also marry each other, which is yeah. kind of kind of grooming yeah yeah there is uh, a whole yeah that's a whole other conversation like that that whole element in this film was really just like anything i would say probably in in his defense and this very much comes to the fact that i do think he plays a good read actually let's let's move into characters now so see we always talk about our favorite character or characters in general throughout the movie i did think reed richards did play a uh sorry the actor who played him played a good reed richards yeah i'd agree with that and actually to come back to that sue storm dynamic where she goes to him later on and she's almost trying to convince her feelings for him in a very Mm. short shy coy way which but he doesn't see what she's saying he because he he's so scientifically focused that he kind of doesn't hear what she's saying he hears something that makes him go ah I now know how the powers, well, why the powers are yeah. the powers kind of thing. And suddenly go like, he literally has got no interest in her sort of flirtations or whatever. And, and, and that's how Reed Richards is in the comics. And whenever I pick up a fantastic four comic, Reed is constantly getting himself into trouble. A bit like Tony Stark, how he's just purely focused on work. Like, mm-hmm. you know, not sort of relationships are very much secondary to Mr. Fantastic over, um, uh, over, you know, sort of, relationships are secondary to his actual science or work or etc and um i've seen i've seen mr fantastic get himself in a whole heap of trouble over the years um so play you know with, with his wife where he's almost sometimes leaning into bad guy status because mm-hmm. it's he, he, he's very much so i think him charles xavier and tony stark are very much the three driven scientific minds in the Marvel universe mm-hmm. and, they, and they're always more about the mission than the people. And yeah. I did feel that whilst this Reed Richards wasn't of the darker nature, he much was of a colorful nature. He, he did play the scientists very strongly. I felt so um, the weakest person to me, I would say was the human torch. Yeah, so, for sure. And when they tried to say that he got his fires cause he has a bad temper. <clears throat> I, went, well, I thought, where's that bad temper then? Cause yeah, exactly. Like, He's like the nicest pretty boy yeah. uh, you could have found. Like yeah. and and he's so flamboyant and campy. I was like, this guy has a bad temper. I was like, yeah. where was that? Like, exactly. There's that 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 was probably their weakest of their plots, I felt. So yeah. Did you have any favorites? <laughs> yeah, hard to pick. Uh, yeah, hard to pick. <laughs> I would say, like, if I ignore that age thing, I think <clears> Reed Reed was probably the strongest. Or, or you know comic book translated character mm-hmm. um i did find <laughs> the thing kind of funny yeah um, he was my but, favorite the thing i yeah but yeah i thought yeah. i mean i i thought alex hyde white did a good job with reed um mm. it it almost felt like he was the only person that understood the assignment um sue is very plain like there's just nothing remarkable about that character the johnny character like you said is just like you don't fit your actual role like it doesn't make sense you in uh, as the fire-powered kid um and then of course ben um i don't know i just i i liked 
he was super cheesy as well, but I did get a kick out of when he finally said it's clobbering time. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> While you're on that, though, one of the things I loved through the movie was how they did incorporate lots of things from the comic book, like Flame mm-hmm. On, it's clobbering <clears throat> time. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I even like the fact that when Sue and, uh, Sue and Johnny's mum, sorry, uh, yeah, Susan and Johnny's mum, uh, as they're all walking out the door, the four of them, she goes, oh, look at you, the Fantastic, Fantastic Four. four. Yeah. It was cheese, it was cheese, but I liked it. I was like, that's cool. Like, um, Yeah. So, but, those, so, those uniforms, though, are a bit much. <laughs> those uniforms, though, are very much comic book sort of 60s. I think yes. they were original 60s very, uniforms. Yeah. So it's not, it's not, it is a comic book translation. So they had, but it, it doesn't fit the 90s right. they made it. Right. They, they I mean, it, they, they make the joke in, you know, the first X-Men film about them wearing what they're wearing. And Cyclops is like, what do you expect? Yellow spandex? And everybody's like, <laughs> yes, we expect Wolverine to be in yellow spandex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, right. Okay. So your favorite was the thing. <clears throat> I, I would say if I ignore the fact that, you know, the the, the child yeah. bride thing, <laughs> it was a good, it was a good translation of Mr. Fantastic. I yeah. Feel. So, uh, <laughs> His abilities, however, his translated abilities are very weak. So, yeah, he was um, a good scientist. Uh, he was not a very good Mister Fantastic. Right. Okay. So thoughts, obviously, on the movie. In regards to a script, uh, it was probably put together with not. Um, I mean, a lot of thought. Yeah. Like, I mean, they, they. Yeah, I felt like the conversations between the characters flowed. Like it wasn't terrible terrible it was yeah but it was just it was odd like the direction they went with alicia masters which is Mm -hmm. the uh blind love interest to ben um that whole thing was just disturbing like she was nothing but an object like that weird mole guy was like obsessed with her kidnapped her wanted her to be the bride like the way that they have like treat their women characters in this film is just awful um and it's it's like I don't know. I, I I don't know why that had to be written in that way. Like, I can understand you taking the love interest to get the hero to do what you want them to do. But like, I feel like they could have done that differently. Um, it just felt, I mean, it, it just felt like they didn't even try with the women in the film to, to give them any kind of agency of their own. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the like structure, I mean, there's a beginning, a middle, and an end. I don't think it really flows very well. Like, I think that time jump is very, it's almost cheating, it seems. Like, you have this big thing that happens at the beginning of the film, and then it's like 10 years later, and it's like, okay, really? Like, and just, I don't know, it, they don't give any background on A, how did they get the money to go to space? Who is funding them to go to space? How do they have the clearance to go to like we don't none of that comes into play? Like, and how do you just pick up two civilians and you're like, yo, man, we're going on a spaceship. You want to come? Yeah, I'll come. <laughs> like the hell? Yeah, that, that was terrible. That's it. I'll be honest, I think the guy who played Ben Grimm <clears throat> was a te- the worst actor. Like when he knocks on the door really cheesily, he's like, Sonny, is it Johnny and Sue want to come to space? Like yeah. how he leans in. It's really, really horrible if someone oh, yeah. thought like that i couldn't, wouldn't let them in <laughs> uh, like, i'd let them anywhere near my children i was like no uh, thanks mate like, can they go to space gonna... hell no bye <laughs> <laughs> 
Do they want some sweeties? Like, yeah. Do they go for a yeah. ride in my van? Like, you want you, you want a ride in the back of a paddy wagon? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you better get off my porch. That's literally how he was when I I was like, oh, this is so disturbing. Yeah. Um. Also, yeah, like things like they suddenly own the Baxter build. They own the Baxter building. No, no, nothing. Yeah, right. There was. They, they didn't do enough to really give you. I mean, maybe in the nineties, people expected less. <laughs> I, I mean. I, 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 I don't know. Like, I just feel like there should have been some kind of something like when mm. we get the fantastic, which we'll talk about, you know, in a, in a few weeks, but like when we get the other fantastic four films, like all of them are already science-based, like they already mm. have access to this kind of technology. Like this film, it doesn't explain how we get from point A to point B. Like they go from being <clears throat> most, half of them go from being college kids that had this bad accident to 10 years later picking up people and being like yo we going to space you coming <laughs> like it just i don't know i have no idea uh so <laughs> anyway uh the music throughout this movie they didn't clearly didn't license any actual music so it mm-hmm. kind of felt like they had some guy on a keyboard oh yeah it's all somewhere like like you know like a piano somewhere or something yeah like. It was just, and it was just like keysy two or three notes played every time kind of a scene ends. Or yeah, whatever. but it all feels very familiar. Like it feels like a super, super early take on the Marvel theme to me. Mm. Like when you, when you listen to it, it sounds, it's, I don't know, to me, it sounded very familiar. It sounded like this is something that I have heard over and over and over again. Um. So <clears throat> do you have a favorite scene? I actually do have a favorite scene. Okay, you tell me yours, because I don't think I have one. No, I have one, because I think I think it's actually quite a good scene. Like, did, I, I genuinely laughed. Like, and um, So after they get sort of captured by Doctor Doom and brought into the science lab after they've landed off from being in space and obviously developing their abilities. As one does. Um, so they get put in individually into a lab and they get questioned by some sort of doctor who has a disc thing on their head, who I, I never think mm. those things are real. Um, like has a disc thing on their head and wants to take blood samples mm-hmm. from all of them and <laughs> i love the fact that when he's with sue and she turns invisible and he panics and ends up injecting himself i actually laughed and she goes are you right like and uh and then by the time he gets to mr fantastic he just hands him the needle and goes take your own blood sample yeah and and like he stretches out and gets it and i actually thought that bit was quite funny how they had the individual um kind of sit down with a scientist and and each of them showed their abilities and uh that that whole injecting himself thing i thought was actually quite funny but, yeah um, so yeah i think that was quite a good scene that was that was it was it wasn't a, you know, <laughs> there's no real great scenes yeah i know but i did think that was good <clears throat> I, I, I think I the like one it. line that i liked was probably when they crash landed mm-hmm. um after their space okay so the spaceship exploded in space okay <laughs> this is this is what happens in the film their ship explodes in space and they wake up on Earth, and like, you h- how? how how did how did you how did you get back to the surface of the planet if your ship exploded in space? Because like you would you would have bounced off of our atmosphere, like you would not have the reentry process would not have happened. Like, anyway, so that well, that I, whole assume thing- that, I assume that during the explosion and the. Uh, you know, the the whatever it was that created their abilities created some sort of magical uh, force uh, field magic, bubble, of course, uh, around them. So also scientific, scientifically, <laughs> ma- scientific magic force field <laughs> that that 
uh, a scientific sorry, magic uh, force field <laughs> that went around the four individuals. Maybe it was Sue. It was Sue. She and, uh, was projecting yeah, may, her oh, little force field, and maybe, she didn't realize it. That, that's actually what it was, and we we don't find that until the sequel that didn't. Yeah, they would have done a flashback. Oh, I see. Uh, okay. Well, when they had more funding, they would have showed a flashback of Sue, right more funding. Sue, yeah, <laughs> Sue putting her force field around them, uh, not realizing that that's what she was doing, protecting the four of them as they yeah. came down to earth. And right. then in in her uh, creation of her force field, she suddenly thought of Doctor Doom and Latvia, and was like, "Ah, this is where yeah. we should land." Right, uh, yeah, of course. Kind of, yeah. Uh, that's and that's how they landed. That makes that, perfect sense. Thank that, you for explaining that. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, that, that gets around uh, but... <laughs> several plot holes. So. Yes, yeah, so, a million and a half plot holes. Yeah. Uh, but then there's a line that Reed says where he's like, "How is it that our spaceship is in pieces and we're fine?" Like. Didn't anybody else think that that's yeah, weird? Said I'm like, like yes, yeah. thank you. That's <laughs> yeah, very bizarre. Like, like, I just, I, the, the, I don't know, the science. Yeah, but like, mostly, there you go. Like, uh, there you go. It's because of the bubble, the force. Uh, right, the force. Well, yeah, see, yeah. but she didn't know that she could create that. So, like, yeah. maybe that's something that they realized happened later. But yeah. like, I will say, at the very beginning of the film, when they go to the telescope for the first time, I really enjoyed that sequence because when I was in college, I was part of the astronomy club, and like, we used to go out to these telescopes in the middle of the night to watch meteor showers to watch the night sky like so i thought that part was really cool like mm -hmm. because it would literally be like a bunch of kids carpooling to the middle of nowhere in the middle of the night like standing around at this observatory waiting for our opportunity to like go up there and look through the lens of the telescope so i thought that that sequence was probably the only realistic part of this film yeah, I, the one bit I one <clears throat> thing I did like at the end was um, I didn't actually specifically like the wedding because unnecessary. It was terrible, especially with the child bride. Um, yeah. However, the bit at the end I liked though was as they're driving away and they clearly had like his arm on a stick. Yes. Oh <laughs> my god, it was so bad. It like, was so bad. Like out, out the sunroof and like yeah. clearly he's in there holding a stick, waving yeah. his arm around. I was like, it looks so bad. I was yeah. just like, it made me laugh. I yeah. was like, you guys are just not even trying at this point anymore. Like, yeah, yeah, they're like, they probably got somebody, you know, the the director and and the props guy together, got a couple of coat hangers and brooms together or something. Yes. And, oh, so, put a rubber glove on it. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, no, that was good. I liked that. So um, it was, you know, it it was just kind of summarize that movie in a T. So yeah. Um, uh, I'm sure this was not many people's first entry into the Fantastic Four. I think you would have to go to look for this movie. Yes, so. for sure. I think most people's first iteration of the Fantastic Four is going to be the 2005 film. Mm -hmm. So this was on YouTube. We were able to watch it there. So uh, normally we talk about things we would cut or change. I think probably... In summary, we probably just wouldn't have released it. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, we would have done just well, like Aviar. It had been like, well, yo, thank it. you. Thank you for your service. Like, no, this is this made is trash. It. Yeah, I think this is a, a thing when because you said about how he watched it, so he clearly, clearly had no involvement. And this is a real thing where the creators are not involved in the product, mm -hmm. so they probably just licensed it and like, yeah. But we can talk more about why. Yeah, they but the made director it. for this like had not really done much feature film before that. Like he was a music video director, so I also feel like that could have probably played to this film's detriment. Like. How do you oh, give a, a superhero franchise to a guy who directs music videos? Because he clearly didn't get paid a lot to do it. So <laughs> I, imagine, 
Well, if your budget's a million, that includes his wage yeah, as well. Maybe so. he's very used to working on shoestring budgets. Maybe that's why they hired him. Yeah, well, he probably got paid like 30 grand to do this movie or something. So if not, if not less. Oh, so. Less, I'm sure. A lot less. <laughs> they probably made, I don't know how long they made this movie in, but like two weeks. Um, I think it was like 10 days. I'm pretty yeah, sure it was yeah. super quick. Like production was super fast on this. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't want to spend money on this. Yeah. So. We'll talk more about that. But anyway, um, so what would you rate this movie? Now, I think before you rate it, I think we've just got to really assess that it's kind yeah. of a one of a kind. It's an unreleased movie. It was yeah. deemed really bad anyway. Yeah. Uh, by the studio. <laughs> oh, there you go. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm still thinking. Uh, okay, so like I, I said, it was not as bad as Man Thing. So I feel like that means I have to rate it higher than Man Thing. Mm. Uh, I gave Man Thing a zero, I think. Yeah, you did. You tried yeah. to, we, I, you almost gave it a negative. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think I gave Man Thing a half a point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A point five. So I would say this one gets a one. I was actually thinking this will get a 0. 0.5 from me. Okay. All right. So that's so. still higher than Man Thing. Mm hmm. But but not um, by much. <laughs> not by much, no. Yeah. Uh, so for our next episode in our Fantastic Four month, uh, we will be reviewing Doomed, the untold story of Roger Corman's The Fantastic Four. So essentially a documentary about this movie. Right. Came out in 2015. So it came out way, way after the release of this film. Mm -hmm. We'll talk more about that film, but also things that we have learned about this movie through that documentary mm -hmm. But uh, next week. So you can follow us on social media. We are Geeks Unleashed everywhere, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Come say hello. Yep. And you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Google, Podbean, Apple, Spotify. We are everywhere. So please leave us a five-star review and tell your geeky friends. Good journey. Good journey. <laughs>